Good morning, church. Today I will be reading Acts 8, verse 26 to 40 from the CEV version. The Lord's angel said to Philip, Go south along the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip left. An important Ethiopian official happened to be going along the road in his chariot. He was the chief treasurer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The official had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip to catch up with the chariot. Philip ran up close and heard the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? The official answered, how can I understand unless someone helps me? He then invited Philip to come up and sit beside him. The man was reading the passage that said, he was led like a sheep on its way to be killed. He was silent as a lamb whose wool is being cut off and he did not say a word. He was treated like a nobody and did not receive a fair trial. How can he have children if his life is snatched away? The official said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or about someone else? So Philip began at this place in the scriptures and explained the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to a place where there was some water. The official said, look, here's some water. Can't, why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. Then they both went down into the water and Philip baptized him. After they had come out of the water, the Lord's spirit took Philip away. The official never saw him again, but he was very happy as he went on his way. Philip later appeared in Azotus. He went from the town to town, all the way to Caesarea, telling people about Jesus. Well, thank you, David, for reading the scripture so well. And thank you, worship team, for leading us in that powerful time of worship. Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Warden. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're so glad that you chose to be with us today. If you're online, would you just take a moment and let us know in the chat what your favorite TV show is? Think about it. Those of you who are here as well, think about it. What's your favorite TV show? At my house, if the TV's on, it's usually on the Food Network or HGTV. I'm a big fan of renovation shows, shows like Love It or List It or Hometown, Fixer to Fabulous. Another good one from down in Newfoundland is Rock Solid Builds. But I think my favorite is Fixer Upper. One of the greatest parts of that show is, is when the individuals whose home has been remodeled, they're standing in front of their, their, uh, this huge picture of their house, of what it used to look like. And then there's always this dramatic pause until the screen is pulled away and you, it reveals what Chip and Joanna have done to their home and how beautiful it now is. Um, it's such a great transformation all the time. And the people are so happy to see their newly renovated home. Now, I think the reason I like those shows is because I think there's something special about a before and after story. When you see just what a mess something was before and how they could make something so beautiful out of it. Now, as good as those stories are, 
The greatest before and after stories are those of people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. The stories of how people's lives have been transformed by the gospel. Just this week, somebody somebody was telling me their before and after story. How before they met Jesus, their life was just a mess. They were bound by addiction and, and depression, and they were even thinking about taking their own life. And then someone told them about Jesus, shared the gospel with this person, and they accepted the truth of the gospel, and now their life is so different. They're full of joy and freedom and peace. It was just such a beautiful story to hear. The Bible tells us in Luke 15 um, that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. And while every gospel transformation story has its own details, just like the fixer-upper shows, they all share the same common storyline, a story of a life transformed by the power of God. Now, that reminded me of another story that I think I told you before, but it's about a family from a remote area who made their first visit to the big city. They checked into this grand hotel, and they're standing in amazement at the impressive sight. Leaving the reception desk, they came to the elevator entrance. They had never seen an elevator before, so they just stared at it, unable to figure out what it was. Well, this elderly lady, she hobbled over towards the elevator and went inside. The door closed, and about a minute later, this beautiful young woman came out. The dad couldn't stop staring. Without turning his head, he patted his son on the arm and said, Quick, Go get your mother. (laughs) I always get a kick out of that story. Well, today we're continuing in our series on the book of Acts. And as I've been studying Acts, I've come to realize that the book of Acts loves to tell before and after stories. Time and time again, we see the changes in people's lives. Way better than any home renovation story is a story of a life transformed by the gospel. This morning, I want to speak to you about how we, how you and I can be a part of people's before and after stories. Acts 8, 26 to 40 is the passage that David just read a couple of minutes ago. So keep your Bibles open to there because we're going to be referring back to that passage as we go along. So let me first of all just give you some background. This Philip in the passage, he's not the disciple Philip. The disciple Philip, he's from Bethsaida. And this Philip is from Caesarea. This Philip is one of the seven deacons chosen by the apostles back in Acts chapter 6 to take over the daily distribution of the food. Later on in Acts 21, 8, and 9, this Philip becomes known as Philip the Evangelist. And we'll learn that he has four unmarried daughters who prophesy. But right now, Philip is only recognized as one of the seven, full of the spirit and wisdom. Now, just before the events of this story, he's been preaching the good news throughout Samaria, and many have come to believe in Jesus. And when I say just before the events of this story, I mean at the beginning of chapter 8. Now, I think it's really important that we see the relationship between Acts 1-8 and Acts 8-1. 
Acts 1.8 gives us Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then by Acts 8.1, we learn how this happens. It's the day Stephen is stoned to death and Saul, who will later become Paul, approves of Stephen's death. And Luke writes... That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. So yes, the gospel spreads, but it does so because the believers are scattered from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. Because of this persecution, Philip goes north to Samaria, and he begins to preach the good news there. And this brings us to our passage today and Philip's conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza. This story is so exciting because it's here we're heading into the ends of the earth. You see, God loves every person, and God wants to transform people's lives. He wants to bring them from bondage to freedom, from death to life, and he wants us, you and me, to be a part of that process. Isn't that amazing? But for that to happen, we need to ask God to guide us. And in this passage, I see a progression happening that can help us see lives transformed by the gospel. And the first thing that needs to happen is for God to give us supernatural appointments. From this text, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who arranged this meeting. It's no chance encounter. It is a supernatural appointment. God was leading Philip every step of the way. Notice how many times here God gets things started. And God is always the first mover in in any salvation of anyone. And it's no different here in this text. Also notice that, that Philip, he was obedient to God as he was being led step by step. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he was obedient. And what results is a supernatural appointment. If you keep reading in verse 27, it says, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now who is this Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he's one who is in charge of the queen's treasury. And because he works so closely with the queen and her court, he is a eunuch. Now, this man is probably wealthy and probably a God-fearer, which is the title that's given to Gentiles who practice certain aspects of Hebrew worship. He's on his way back to Ethiopia from Jerusalem, which I read was a five-month trip each way. So he's taken a long journey to be here. Here's what's so amazing about this. Not only is he a Gentile, which would have been a huge barrier for most Jews, but he's also a eunuch. Now, Deuteronomy 23.1 is quite graphic in its description, but it forbids a eunuch to have access to the temple in Jerusalem. As such, under the old covenant, he would never be able to worship God fully. But this is the new covenant, and the Spirit is breaking down all kinds of barriers here. The barrier of his ethnicity, of his ancestry, the barrier of his condition as a eunuch. Here is a man who is not, gen- it was not Jewish, but a Gentile Ethiopian. 
He's also considered unclean by the fact that he's a eunuch. Yet God had mercy on him, and he sends Philip away from a place where thousands are being saved to visit this one man traveling on his way home. It was a supernatural appointment. There's no doubt about it. And the first thing I want us to see today is that God wants to give us supernatural appointments. God will at times place people in our lives at the right time so that we can share the gospel with them. See, God loves people, and he wants people to come to know him. And if we're willing to accept his divine appointments, he will arrange them, and he'll lead us step by step. Now, that's not always easy, and we can struggle with the fact that we might know not know all the details. And what I mean here is in this passage, Philip was simply given the beginning of his mission, and that was go down to the road that connects Jerusalem and Gaza. That's not much to go on, but he was obedient, and God used him. You know, I have to wonder, how many appointments have I missed or you missed because we were just distracted or not listening or or simply disobedient? If we're going to be used by God in people's before and after stories, we need to be asking God to give us some supernatural appointments in order to have gospel-focused conversations. I heard about a a barber once who was in church one Sunday, and the pastor preached a message about how important it is to witness and share the gospel. At the end of the service, the barber, he felt convicted that he hadn't really been a faithful witness, and he determined to do something about it. The church was offering this six-week evangelism class for people to learn how to share their faith. Well, the barber, he signed up for the classes, and he memorized the material. He received his certificate of completion, and, and he, at the conclusion of the class, he determined that the very next day he was going to share the gospel with the first person that came through the door of his barber shop. Well, wouldn't you know it? It was this huge biker dressed all in leather and covered in tattoos, and he looked pretty angry, too. Apparently, he had just lost a bet with his biker friends, and he was going to have to have his beard shaved off. Well, the barber's nerves about witnessing were now compounded by the intimidating customer that sat in his chair. As he draped the protective cloth over the man, he tried to remember all that he was supposed to say. He started to get really confused, and he couldn't recall anything that he had memorized. As he began to prepare the razor, sweat began to pour down his face, and his nerves were getting the best of him. Finally, in desperation, he shook the razor at the, bar, at the biker, and he yelled, Are you prepared to die? <laughs> Probably not the best approach when sharing the gospel. How do you do when it comes to sharing the good news about Jesus? You know, for some people, sharing the good news about Jesus is very natural. It comes easy to them. But for others, we can find it really difficult. We can get tongue-tied and nervous. We might even worry that we don't know what to say or that we might say the wrong thing. And yet we know that we should say something. We know that God has changed us. And because of that, we know that we can help others as well. We want to be a witness. We want to make this difference in other people's lives by sharing our story. So we can also struggle with it, though. So let's see what we can learn from this encounter that can help us when we're trying to share the gospel. 
Continuing on in the story, we see that the Holy Spirit directs Philip to go over and join this chariot. And he runs to the chariot. Now, I'm trying to picture this, and I'm thinking he must have been in really good shape to be able to catch up with a horse-drawn carriage. When he arrives, he hears the man reading the scroll of Isaiah. And not just any place in Isaiah, but Isaiah 53. Now, there is no way that he just happened to be traveling along reading Isaiah. God must have prompted him to read that passage, just as he prompted Philip to be there just at the right time. The fact that this man is reading from the book of Isaiah gives Philip a wonderful opening, an opportunity that's fashioned by the Spirit. But Philip, he doesn't barge in and impose himself on the man. He asks a question that gives the man a chance to ask for help if he needs it. One thing we can learn from this encounter is that it takes patience and faith and wisdom to use a respectful and subtle approach when sharing the gospel. Another thing that we can learn is that an effective presentation of the gospel must be based on scripture. It must be Bible-based. In the conversation between Philip and the Ethiopian official, we see four questions are asked that keeps the conversation respectful and Bible-based. The first is Philip asks the stranger, do you understand what you're reading? He answers Philip with another question. He says, how can I unless someone guides me? Even with all of his power and his wealth, this man recognizes his own limitations, and he's quick to admit them. He knows he needs help, and he's not too proud to ask for it. So this God-fearing Ethiopian, he wants to go deeper to truly understand what he's reading and all of its complexities and mystery. So he invites Philip to come up into his chariot and sit with him. Now, Luke doesn't say so outright, but Philip apparently accepts the man's invitation. And the passage in Isaiah that they discuss is Isaiah 53, 3 to 9. And this is what it says. He was despised and rejected by, by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now, this is a passage in the Old Testament that describes Jesus the best. And the Ethiopian official wants to know, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And what happens next is a turning point. 
not only for the Ethiopian man, but also for Philip. Philip begins to explain how this scripture and all of scripture points to Jesus. And Philip shares the good news about Jesus with this man, and he believes the truth that is presented to him. Which brings us to the fourth and final question. The man asked, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, it's understandable if this man, this outsider who lives not only on the fringe of society, but geographically on the edge of the known world, it's understandable if he wonders, could this be for me? Could I be included? It's a question of identity. Can I belong? And he asks, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? And the answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing can prevent this beloved child of God from being baptized. Not his skin color, not his physical deformity, not his power, not his homeland, not his education. And Philip, he doesn't need to say a word. They go down into the water and the man is baptized. And when they come back up, what happens next, I've always found fascinating in Scripture. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Now, I don't know if this is like a beam me up Scotty thing or what, but what we do know is that all of a sudden, Philip is gone and the Ethiopian official goes on his way rejoicing. And here is where we see a miraculous transformation take place. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Here is the big reveal, the before and after picture. The Ethiopian official, he went from death to life, bondage to freedom. He became a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, and all of heaven rejoices at the big reveal. Now, we know this man had a genuine conversion. Not only because of his believing heart or of his confessing mouth, but also because we see in verse 39 that he went on his way rejoicing. Now, joy is a mark of a true believer. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And this Ethiopian official who was so far away from the salvation of God in more ways than one is brought near to God because of God's divine preparation of his heart. The explanation from the scripture that he heard from Philip, which resulted in the saving of his soul. A tradition has it that this man went on to Ethiopia sharing the gospel and many in the land became followers of Jesus. Isn't it absolutely amazing to see how God works? Here's an account of the gospel coming to one visitor and him taking it back home. It's how the gospel spread in the book of Acts and how the gospel still spreads today. God uses people led by the Holy Spirit to share the good news. I, I read about this missionary, M.V. Burgess. He said that he had often witnessed the crowds who gathered at the Ganges. One day he came upon a Leela kneeling in the sand, crying uncontrollably. With compassion, he knelt down next to her and he asked her what was wrong. Through sobs, she told him that the problems in my home were too many. My sins are heavy on my heart, so I offered the best I had to the goddess Ganges, my firstborn son. Well, the missionary's heart just ached for the desperate woman. As she wept, he gently began to tell her about the love of Jesus and that through him, her sins could be forgiven. She looked at him strangely. I've never heard that before. 
And through tears, she replied to him, why couldn't you have come 30 minutes earlier? If you did, my child would not have had to die. You know, there are so many people whose lives are in desperate need of restoration. God loves them. He wants them to come to know him. But they need to know the good news of the gospel. Here's what I want you to consider. Throughout the book of Acts, Luke keeps coming back to the same theme. God uses people. People keep sharing the good news of the gospel, and God keeps transforming lives and bringing them into the church. Many things have changed over the years, but that pattern has not changed. God sets up supernatural appointments so that we can have gospel-centered conversations so that we can see miraculous transformations. Now, the book of Acts, it was written by Luke, and it was written uh, as he wrote this early church history. He wrote it to a man named Theophilus. It's as if Luke wanted to continually remind him that this is God's pattern. God's people keep sharing the gospel, and God keeps bringing people in. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. You know, we can't control how people will respond to our witness. As I talked about last week, there will be different responses to the gospel. Some will resist it. Some will misconstrue it. But some will accept it. All you and I can do is plant, water, fertilize, dig out those weeds, and trust God to provide the growth in the hearts of people. If we're faithful to do our part, we can trust that God will do his part. God loves every person. And I believe he's searching for people who are available to be used for supernatural appointments so that they can have gospel-focused conversations. And then we'll see miraculous transformations. Now, can I be honest with you this morning? As I've been preparing these past two messages, I was greatly convicted by God. As a young adult, I was so passionate about sharing the gospel. I remember at a family camp in Lewisport, Newfoundland, the year before I went off to Bible college, I knelt at the altar for hours, crying out to God. I had such a burden for the lost. I remember they started singing this song, Jesus, use me, and oh Lord, don't refuse me, for surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. For though the cost be great, I'll work for you. And that was the cry of my heart. You know, I had to ask myself these past two weeks, has that desire changed, Connie? Do you still want that? Are you content to be comfortable? And I confess to you today, I need the Holy Spirit to be poured out fresh in my life. I need him to give me a greater passion and and burden for the lost. How about you? Do you have a burden for the lost? Do you want God to use you in his before and after stories? Because truly, there is no greater or more lasting thing that we can do on this earth than that. Now, maybe you're listening You don't know Jesus, but you have questions, just like that Ethiopian official did. If that's you, I want you to know 
that Jesus was a sonless son of God. He died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And he took the punishment for your sin and mine because he loved us so much. And if you confess that you are a sinner and you ask him to forgive you, and you put your trust in him to save you, you can have an amazing transformation. You can have your own before and after story. And that is a beautiful thing. And if you make that decision today, please let us know. If you're online, just let us know in the chat. You can click the button that said, I accept Christ. If you're here today in person, just let me know before the, after the service is over so we can rejoice and journey with you. For those of us who already know Jesus as our Savior, my challenge for you is to ask God to give you a fresh burden for the loss to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to set up a supernatural appointment for you with someone who needs to hear the gospel. And when he does that, just remember, be respectful and Bible-based in what you say, and just watch and see what God will do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. You love us with an everlasting love, and that's not based on what we do or how much we even witness. But God, I just pray that you would help each one of us to have your heart for the lost. That when we look at people that don't know you, God, our hearts would break as yours does because they are in bondage and they don't have freedom and they don't have life. So God, I pray that you would help us to see that and, and, and by your Holy Spirit, just, just convict us and help us to have a deeper, deeper burden for those who don't know you. And God, I ask that you would use us. Give us supernatural appointments. As you prepare people's hearts, God, show us who they are that we need to speak to. And God, use us in that way to be a part of people's wonderful before and after stories, God. We want to see miraculous transformations take place. God, we want Warden to be filled with people who come to know you, who have these beautiful before and after stories. So God, we, we just confessed our great need for you today. And Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and that you love us. And God, I just ask that even this week, you would put people in our lives that we can witness to. I thank you and I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you have a fabulous week. God bless you.